So there I was, 20 years old, six months down the track, didn't get out of bed for a whole week. And that's when I was like, ah, something's wrong. This isn't a hangover anymore. I haven't left my bedroom in a week. And so I put my hand up, saw a psychologist, uh, was diagnosed with depression and anxiety disorder. Dylan Roos grew up with a father who was one of Australia's most famous athletes and coaches. This allowed him to develop leadership skills from an early age, having been brought up around football clubs with plenty of positive male role models. Because no one wants to fucking hang out with a 30 or 40 year old man child. No one wants to date you. No one wants to be your friend. No one wants to employ you. And so you become 30, 40 and realize, oh, I need to grow up and I need to grow up, have grown up yesterday. The main conversation in society today is around toxic masculinity. Dylan wants to highlight the positive sides of masculinity and its necessity to men and society. There's no part of us that is toxic because I can't, what am I meant to do with a part of myself or a part of my psyche that's toxic? I can't, I can't put that in a corner and never look at it because that's just going to come back and bite me in the ass later this podcast is here to offer you the tools and strategies that you need to level up your life as a man in today's world dylan i've noticed on your instagram bio that you help young men to avoid the lazy and lonely trap and I wanted to ask you about a time that you fell into that trap and maybe perhaps how you got into it in the first place and how you managed to get out of it to move forward again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the first instance that really sticks out for me is when I was 20 years old um, and I went through a bad breakup at the start of, I think it was 2015. Um, and like so many men, I was just like, I, I had one night of crying I sat at a mate's place, one night of crying, and that was it. I was like, cool, done, over. I was really stubborn at the time, so I went back to my girlfriend's place to get my stuff, and it was just like, no, done, grabbed it, left, no talking, we're done. Um, And because of just how I handled that situation, I really just – I just did the stereotypical bloke thing, right? Couple, I I had a couple conversations, and then I was like, I'm done, I'm over – I remember straight away I was messaging girls, like trying to find the next that next hook. I was like, I need straight away. It needs to be straight away as quick as I can. Need to get over this breakup. And so six months of that, six months of just drinking. I was pretty fortunate I never got down the drug path um, uh, because of my upbringing and just having good role models around me. But um, just six months of drinking, eating shitty food, stop working out, stop meditating, stop journaling, all the things that had allowed me to have really good mental health up until that point, I just, they all fell away and I just replaced it with numbing, you know, PlayStation till 2, 3 a.m. every night, missing, I was going to uni at the time, missing uni the next day. And yeah, I fell into that lazy and lonely trap and, and lonely in that I had great mates around me like i had good friends from high school around me i was living with one of my best mates at the time he was a great man but we were all 20 we were all 20 we none of us really knew how to navigate any of those conversations if they asked me how they would how i was doing i'd say i was doing really well and i probably believed it because i had such a lack of awareness of what was really going on for me and so there i was 20 years old six months down the track didn't get out of bed for a whole week and that's when i was like ah something's wrong. This isn't a hangover anymore. I haven't left my bedroom in a week. And so I put my hand up, saw a psychologist, uh, was diagnosed with depression and anxiety disorder. And that was the start to my 
um, to my healing journey, but for me taking more responsibility over my life and saying, okay, I need to sort my shit out here. Mm-hmm. You're given a diagnosis of anxiety and depression. Yes. Yeah. Was that fair at the time? Do you think, or was that definitely, I think it was definitely fair, but fair in the uh, way that no shit. I was depressed and anxious. Like I wasn't doing anything good for myself. And so my opinion straight after I walked out of that thing was I'm not not getting on antidepressants. I'm not taking pills, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just going to really work on my mental health. I'm going to, this isn't going to define me. I'm never going to let it define me. Um, and that's brought along with it its own um, internal battle, I guess, not really not wanting it to define me. Um, but yeah, you know, I looked at my life. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't getting out. I was staying up really late. I was drinking a shitload. I was eating burgers for almost every meal. Like, obviously, I was going to be depressed and anxious or give off telltale signs of depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that poses the question that these labels can become an identity for a man. Whereas, 100%. From what I can see, you were grieving at that point. Mm. yeah and not handling it well and not grieving in healthy ways Mm -hmm. right and so i've seen firsthand what happens when people take to their mental illness or take to these labels as you put it and they really hold on to them and it does become part of their identity and then it becomes and i don't use this term lightly but it becomes excuses and it becomes what they rest on and I've got a lot of sympathy for people that are struggling. That's not at all my point. It's like, oh, you're struggling, fucking get over it. No, no, no. It's like you're struggling, deal with it, deal with it in healthy ways, take responsibility. And you, you know what? If you do this and you do this long enough and you, you know, get support, get, you know, more um, uh, uh, personalized support plans in place for you, I guarantee you that mental illness for a lot of people will dissipate or will lessen as a result of your actions. Because for me, I didn't suffer from depression, anxiety growing up, but you give me six months of just absolutely thrashing myself and not looking after myself, of course, I'm going to have depression and anxiety. And so the one thing that I have noticed, however, since since that is I've, I found it really difficult to get to that place. And one thing that I've noticed as time has progressed on, it becomes easier to slip into a darker place mentally. And I found that interesting. So like, so so from zero to 20, it was like, I was good. And maybe that was just a lack of awareness and, and a, um, and a stronger ability to numb. And now I don't numb as much. So maybe that, maybe that's it as well. But I have noticed that it is, it has gotten easier to fall back into like poor bouts of mental health where I'm like, fuck, I'm struggling today. Like what's going on. And sometimes it is like doing everything right. Like, the fuck's going on i'm in this trial by fire but my mindset when i'm there is like all right i'm learning something there must be something that i'm not seeing there's something here i'm doing like you know and i i flip it so whereas younger me would have played more the boohoo and victim um now it's like all right i am struggling and that's okay but what are we going to do about it how can i take care of myself in the moment and do good things that i know will bring me back into an elevated sense of emotional well-being mm-hmm what were some of the lessons that you took from that experience? Like, was there some things from that experience that allowed emotions or feelings or potentially traumas to come to the surface that you could then work on? 
I just think the the biggest lesson from that was it's going to catch up with you no matter what. Whatever it is that you're not facing, that you're not looking at, that you're not addressing, if, I don't care who you are, eventually it's going to catch up. Maybe it takes 15 years, but it's going to catch up to you. And I think today we live in such a comfortable world. And I talked about this in the last week or so a few times, but we the disease of the modern world is the disease of comfort now. And so it's become really fucking easy to stay in a place of numbing because we've got so many different things that can numb us from our experience. But look at the statistics. Suicide is at an all-time high. Mental illness is at an all-time high. Uh, divorce rates, all-time high. Fa- all-time high. Fatherless uh, homes, all-time high. Single mother homes, all-time high. All these things that are really representative of a society that is not doing well. And so it eventually catches up. It, and that's what that tells me is one day it'll catch up and it's not going to do you any good if you keep putting it off, keep putting it off, keep putting it off. Mm-hmm. So if there was a young man who's in a similar situation as you were, perhaps feeling somewhat lost or stuck in his life, I speak to a lot of young men as well who really struggle with breakups as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of the What are some of the guiding principles that you would offer a man like this? Yeah, I think it it's about focusing on yourself and on your own healing and having a level of self-awareness around what your uh, go-to coping mechanisms are because you're going to fall back. No one's perfect. You don't go through a breakup and then just go, I'm going to go meditate in a cave for the next 30 days and come out completely fine. It's like, no, you're going to scroll on Instagram till 2, 3 a.m. You're going to maybe binge porn for a week. You're going to go and try to sleep with girls. You're going to go and drink with your mates. You're going to go do these things. But if you can bring in an awareness to like, why am I doing these things? Oh, I'm I'm doing this because I'm, I don't want to be at home alone right now with my thoughts. Oh, okay. And if you can bring that awareness to it, then it allows the healing to take place whilst not taking the healing to a place where you're so serious about it that you're not able to have fun. Like what I mentioned before is like, now I'm like, great. Like I, I try to flip it so that I have fun in my healing journey and I have fun sitting in the fire of life. I'm like, cool, I'm fucking struggling right now. And I have a little chuckle to myself and I'm like, all right, what can I learn? Because if you take it too seriously, then you're going to find it more difficult to go to those places because they're not enjoyable. But if you can switch your, mind, switch your mindset to like, all right, I've just gone through a breakup. Fuck that hurt. Like, man, she said some heavy things to me and I'm going to sit down and write out what those things were and, fuck, actually that one thing she said, that really hurt. Why did that hurt me so much that she said that? Well, fuck, actually, she's got a bit of truth to that or whatever. And you start to then unfold the healing the healing journey in the process and your self-awareness expands and you're then able to learn from, the, from that experience, right? And so I think a big thing that I talk about is um, vulnerability not being a weakness because through vulnerability, you'll actually become more resilient because you're facing whatever it is that you're afraid to face. You're facing it, learning from it, growing from it, and becoming a better man as a result. And so this whole idea that vulnerability makes you weak is wrong. It's actually vulnerability will allow you to stop repeating patterns that are keeping you stuck because you're then facing whatever it is that is going on in your life. Mm -hmm. And if you were to establish one of the biggest barriers for young men in today's world, what would it be? Biggest barriers in becoming men or biggest barriers to what? Biggest barriers in terms of 
excelling as a as a man, uh, becoming more fulfilled in their lives? I would say the biggest barrier to them is its comfort, right? Like you you want to you want to meet girls, just jump on your phone. You want to eat, just jump on your phone to get it delivered. You want to watch a TV like I, like you and I had to wait like a week to just get the next episode of the TV show. Like I had to set my, okay, that TV show is on at 6 PM on Fox eight. And I have to watch it at 6 PM. Otherwise I don't get to see this week's episode. I can watch 15 different series back to back seven. Like, so there's so much comfort now that that's the biggest obstacle. And the reason also that that is such a big obstacle is we've lost this initiation process of boys into men and because we've lost that initiation process and we've lost it over multiple generations, young men are looking out into the world and they're craving this initiation. They're like, I want to be a fucking man. Treat me like a man. I want to be a man. It's innate in all of us. But then we also look out into the world and we see well, my not maybe my dad, right? Or the lack of a dad or just men in general. They're miserable. They're fat. They're in sexless marriages they go to work and they're stressed to their eyeballs and you're telling me i need to be that i don't want to fucking be that so we're no longer taking them through the initiation process so they get stuck in this boy energy and as they're stuck in the boy energy they can't grow out of it themselves because you you do need a man to take you through that you need an elder to take you through it. but also even as they get older and they become men they're still stuck there because they've looked at the one. They're like, well, fuck this. I just want to keep, I, don't, I just want to stay young. I just want to keep playing PlayStation. I want to keep um, sleeping with, sleeping around with girls. Cause it's fun. I don't want to be in a committed relationship because that's hard work. I don't want to really level up my life and take on responsibility because I've associated responsibility with the generation before me who are also uninitiated men. And so we're like, fuck man. So these boys have a lot um a lot going against them in terms of these obstacles that that are that they're faced with because of those things. And but but message is you need to take on responsibility. You need to figure out a brotherhood around you, get a brotherhood around you or men around you that can challenge you, support you. You need to seek it out yourself if you don't have the the men or the elders that are taking you through it. You need to get to a certain point in your life where you take responsibility and say, all right, I didn't have this, I didn't have a dad, I didn't have what I need, I need to go find it. And so that's um, the, then the next step or the solution. Mm-hmm. I think that's the greatest strategy in today's world is that we have 20, 30, 40 year old men who are simply overgrown children. Mm. And they're everywhere, man. You know, the Peter Pan syndrome, right? Like, why would I grow up? Like, look around, like, and, and, the ant the answer if you have someone around you that loves you and cares for you why do you grow up it's because no one wants to fucking hang out with a 30 or 40 year old man child no one wants to date you no one wants to be your friend no one wants to employ you and so you become 30 40 and realize oh i need to grow up and i need to grow have grown up yesterday oh fuck and i don't know how to grow up now and i've got all these bad habits that have taken me 30 years to develop and so you can't just magically go i'm gonna be a man tomorrow and wake up and decide to be a man it's like no 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 it's a process and it's it's men are forged through fire i think the cliche is women are born and men are made and that's really true Mm -hmm. so as you were navigating your way out of this pit what were some of the things that you had to leave behind in order to cultivate this new 
life for yourself? All of the all of the boyish distractions, and I'll be and I'll be brutally honest. Like I didn't step out of that boyish energy. I would say completely until five days ago with the birth of my son, like completely stepping out of that boyish energy. But I I went through a couple rights myself where I was like, okay, I need to cut this energy off. I need to do a little, and I and I'm really um, a big advocate for ceremonies, even in your own life. Like so, when I I was a, I was 100 addicted to my PlayStation. I would try to quit it, and then I'd go back and I'd play and all these sort of things. And my partner this year was like really challenging me because she's like great she's a she's a feminine woman and she was challenging me and i was like fucking struggling with it. i was like just you know just leave me alone like let me play like it's how i all these excuses right it's how i connected my friends back in australia i'm in hawaii it's like and i realized i was like man this isn't like how i want to show up i'm about to be a dad and i don't want to show up this way and i'm still playing places boys so i did a little ceremony i was like all right i'm gonna have one last night i'm gonna fucking play for 2 a.m but then it's done and i'm gonna have this little ceremony and i'm gonna say goodbye to that inner child and i'm gonna have that and i had it and then it's gone and i haven't taken it out it's been fine i haven't i don't even have the desire because i just the energy has been integrated now into my life and so i've done that a couple times um throughout my life and a couple rituals and a couple rites as i become more aware of like oh that's that's not man energy that's not uh like the king the warrior the lover magician that's that's the that's that boy psychology and am i ready to get rid of it why well, fucking better be, right? Or maybe I'm not. And then again, exploration. Why am I not ready to get rid of that? What's going on here? What am I, what's my inner child not getting that the man isn't providing? And it's just always an exploration process. But um, I think clawing myself out of that pit to answer your, to, to kind of come bring it back to your question, it came back to just taking more responsibility for my life. Like, okay, I can keep going down this path and it's going to leave me miserable and I'll have all this like, surface level fun but on a deeper level i'll know i'm miserable and once you know you're miserable you can't now trick yourself out of it even on a deeper level you just can't now oh now i'm aware of my misery what am i going to do with it so it was just about taking more responsibility and then seeking out and dropping my ego because then you have to seek out people who do have the answers because you have to go i don't have the answers because if i had the answers i wouldn't be doing it and I think a lot of men struggle with that. They're like, oh, I'm aware that I'm struggling, but I'll figure it out. That's such a common phrase, right? I'll figure it out. It's like, dude, no, you won't. Because if you if you knew how to figure it out, you'd have it figured out, but you don't. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. I've got a lot of shit that I haven't figured out, but hopefully what the, the initiated men are doing is they're seeking out the men who do have it figured out or do have some more answers and can help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's impossible to do it on your own. Mm, yeah, mate. Impossible, lonely, not fun. Like it's great when you get a group of men around you that are are doing the work as well with you. It's actually enjoyable. Yeah, for sure. So yes, your your son Rainer was born. Only yeah, days. my son, my uh, son Rainer was born a couple of days ago, mate. He's oh, so in love, so so in love. Yeah, it's an amazing experience, man. Congratulations on that, and thank you. You're going to be an epic dad, I'm sure. And on that point. What are some of the lessons that you want to teach Rainer as a boy to help him become a fulfilled, strong, capable, resilient, confident man in his world? Yeah. If I can instill confidence, what you just touched on, that's I've thought about this a lot. And I go, if I could if I could only instill one thing, what would it be? It would be confidence. Um, and I say that because so many poor decisions are made from a lack of confidence, peer, especially growing up. Like, peer, why do you come to peer pressure? 
because you want to fit in. You're not really confident about standing out from the crowd. And so you make these poor decisions. When you're confident in yourself, you're able to make longer-term decisions. You go, all right, um, okay, I could do this for that short-term kick. However, if I don't do that and instead I do this, I'm going to get hopefully longer-term fulfillment and I've got the confidence that I can go down that path. And so I think especially, man, the last the last two years has been such a, poor reflection of where men are at in my opinion just and and i look at that as like a lack of confidence to stand on their own two feet be an island and stand alone on important issues that are that are yeah on important issues and i think men have lost so much fucking fire so much i I was just looking at your instagram that warrior archetype is fucking dead man right like it's far and few between it's not dead it's far and few between there are men out there there are a lot of warriors out there i don't want it to come across as too fucking bleak but in a lot of guys it's dead and we've rolled over and we've shown our bellies and we'll just take it now and i think that's really it was really disappointing and 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 i do it fuck i'm not perfect again i do it sometimes and when i do it i'm like that was weak and I need to step up more and I need to be more of a voice and be more of a leader and find that warrior and and figure out where he is hiding. But confidence, man, if I can instill confidence in Rainer, um, and his name is German for deciding warrior as well. So um, I, th- I thought it was really, you know, names are so important. So I, I really loved that when I found that name. I was like, fuck, yeah, that's it. Um, but confidence, man. And, and then how do you go about it? How do you go about instilling confidence is about is allowing him to fail and 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 telling him i love you no matter what one thing that struck me from a kobe bryant interview i was listening to was he he was telling a story when he was 12 or 13 failed at this basketball camp and his dad said son no matter what happens i'm gonna love you whether you fail or you succeed i'm gonna love you and he said that was the moment that he was like fuck yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna do this like that was the moment he knew I'm going to be successful because he's like, no matter what I do, I'm going to be loved. And I think men have a lot of fear of failure from that place of, oh, if I don't achieve something, I'm not going to be loved. And so if I don't achieve something, that means I'm a failure and I won't be loved. It's better to just not attempt these big feats or these big things and instead achieve these littler things because then at least I'm achieving and then at least I'll be loved. And so if I can just give him the confidence and just say, man, Rainer, I'm going to love you no matter what. Go for it, brother. Go fall, scrape your knee, go break an arm or a wrist or whatever. But I'm, I'm, I've got your back and I'm here and you can you can do it. I think that's that's really important to me. There will be some fathers, some parents, maybe listening to this who have teenage boys or teenagers in general and may feel like they've they've lost that opportunity with them. I don't think so, man. I don't think so. I, I think... I was 20 when I started doing this work. I don't know about you. I know men that are in their thirties and forties and start to do their work. Like one thing that I, with the work that I do that I find really interesting is so, so my sales, so I sell to parents. I have a high ticket mentoring program. So I have to sell to parents because the boys can't afford it. So I sell to the parents. I sell the parents. They're like, yep, we're keen. Need to chat to little Billy first, and then I try to get little Billy on a call and chat to me. And then once that happens, we commence the mentoring, and there's a, the transaction. One thing that I I've noticed is some parents will not give their son the benefit of the doubt, and so they'll reach out to me. We'll jump on a call; it'll be great. They'll go away, come back to me, and say we just don't think he's going to do the work. And and I'm I'm just 
and I feel bad for the parent, obviously, because parenting's really fucking hard. But I also feel bad for the son because I'm like, oh, you don't believe in him. Like you don't believe in his capacity to change, you know, and that's it's that's important for parents to believe in, in their sons for their capacity to change. So I think no matter where you're at in your parenting journey, whether you've completely fucked up, whether you've made a couple mistakes, it, nothing's irreparable between a very few things, sorry, are irreparable between a, a child and a parent. And I think there's a really great book um, by Gabor Mate called Hold On To Your Kids, Why Parents Need To Matter More Than Peers. And so much of it is just about the, the the relationship. So if you're struggling, if you made mistakes, you feel like that time has passed, stop parenting and disciplining and just start building a relationship and just come go spend a weekend away with your son in the woods, camping, put all phones away. Don't let him have any interaction with his peers. Just come together with him, spend some time, tell him that you love him and start to mend the relationship. And it might take four or five years, but it, again, it's, it's pretty hard to make an irreparable relationship, you know, with with a teenager. It is possible. It's just really hard. So you're probably beating yourself up, and you probably can, through a lot of effort, through a lot of present time with your son, mend that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, a difficulty in terms of communication, isn't there, between parent and teenager? I talk about yeah. teenagers mostly because yes, you work mostly with teenagers, and mm. teenagers as well perhaps have their own minds made up by the time they're 13 or 14 and think they know it all. So there's a big resistance there between parent and teenager that needs to be broken down. There is. And especially for young boys or young men, the resistance is, I again, I want to be a man. And so don't tell me what to do because I'm a man and I can do it myself. And, you know, I'm reading this. I've got it, I've got it right here. I was reading it just before I jumped on, but reading this book from Boys to Men, by Brett Stevenson, and he talks about like for thousands of years, all the cultures except for modern culture, we realized that adolescence wasn't a place we wanted to keep people. And so the adolescence phase was actually pretty short because we got them to 13, 14. The elders of the tribe took their boys out. They initiated some form of rites of passage and they came back as men. We have a real reluctance now to take our boys. We don't, well, we don't do it at all. We don't take our boys into manhood and there's a real reluctance of letting our kids grow up and, you know, knowing what the right age is and when to do this and when to do that. For me I, and the research I've done, I look at it, I go, okay, when Rainer gets to about 14, but when he hits a certain level of maturity and when him and I inevitably start to, to clash, because we are going to clash, you know, that's the relationship. It gets that. I know it. I know I'm so prepared that he's going to start clashing with me. And I think of this as like, good, be independent. Like, this is a good thing. You're trying to think for yourself, trying to make good decisions. Right. How can I support in this and be a guide or a mentor for you stepping up into manhood? And I don't look at it as like, hey, hang on, mate, you're 14. You know, you're too young now. You're too young and try to keep them young. And what do we do? Like 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, we're like, you're too young, you're too young, you're too young. And then we just go overnight, you've turned 18. And all right, you're a man. And it's like, you just told me for six, five, six years, I'm not a man or I'm not an adult. And then because one second ticked over to 12.01 AM, I'm now a man and you haven't taught me anything. You haven't brought me into manhood. You haven't, you haven't created, uh, you haven't created a man. You haven't forged me into a man, but now you're just going to let me go off into the world. And it's no wonder that we see so many issues 
um, in young men. And, and reading this book, it's the highest suicide rates of young men and elder and older men, because as we get older as men, we lose our value to modern society and we're not taking young boys into manhood. And so these two areas are struggling so hard with that void of rites of passage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brilliant, man. It's, I've also been looking into your own story and your own background, and I know that you've got a very strong role model in your own father and something, as mm-hmm. I mentioned before we start recording, that is an absolute gift to have because it's something yeah. so many men from our generation have have lacked and i'm curious in terms of what are some of the what are some of the principles from your own father that you are bringing into your your fatherhood as a man mm-hmm. and what are some of the things that you're potentially leaving behind and understand that it's not going to value rainer's life mm. he really instilled not necessarily any set of values he did he definitely well he definitely spoke about certain values, but he, I don't think he tried too hard to instill like these are my values, here are yours. But he definitely instilled the importance of having values and every action being a vote for the man that you want to be. And he like from a young age, man, like, I remember it used to piss me the fuck off, but he used to have this poem that was about habits and it was like, um, you've probably seen it. It's pretty, it's like, um, I am, you know, all these and then who am I? I am habits. And he would read it to me, my brother, every now and again. And he was just really big on like have values. And I would say the, the number one thing, especially in the last five years that he's really, um, you know, attempted to instill into me, my brother is like, be a kind human. He's like, be a good, kind human because there is a fucking lack of just empathy and kindness in the world at the moment. And so he really instilled just be a kind, kind human. Um, You know, other values was like work hard. He was a professional athlete in Australia. And so everyone's dream is to be an athlete or not everyone, but, you know, an athlete or a superhero or this or that. And so for me, it was like he really instilled like, I never had this rosy idea of what an athlete's life was because I saw it and I was like, oh, fuck, man, that's really hard work to be an athlete. Yeah. And so he really instilled like if you need to work hard to get anywhere in life, um, be kind. And he was he was a captain when he played, a coach um, as I was growing up. And so being a leader, he, he, he really helped me develop my leadership skills. I was a pretty confident kid growing up and I really put that down to – my mom and my mom as well as my dad, but I never, I, I never succumbed to peer pressure. Like I didn't, Australia's drinking age is 18. I started drinking when I was 17 and because I wanted to, I was going to parties at 13 through to 17, trying to, you know, my mates telling me to drink every single weekend for three, four years. And I was just like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And had to repeatedly just hold my boundary there. And I, put that completely on my parents and what they instilled in me growing up being confidence. You know, I was able to make a lot of smarter decisions and it's funny because we have this conversation still today and I'm like, dad, people don't think like that. He, cause he, he'll be like, um, uh, he'll say something like when I was growing up, I would look at like, okay, there's a party on Friday night and most people would just go to the party Friday night and then realize, Oh fuck, I've got sport on Saturday. And they would only realize that on Saturday morning. Dad was really like, all right, if you go to this party, what's going to happen? Oh, I'm going to do this and that. All right, you want to be an athlete though, right? And I'd be like, yeah, I want to to be an athlete. So you got a game tomorrow morning. And I'd be like, yeah, I got a game, but I want to go to this party. He's like, yeah, but you want to be an athlete. 
and you go into this party, oh, so you don't want to be an athlete. And that would piss me off and be like, no, I do want to be an athlete, but I also want to go to this party. He's like, Dylan, you can't do both. Like, what you, what's it going to be? You know, do you value, do you value going to a party or do you value being an athlete? And for me, it was like, oh, I value being an athlete. All right, I'm going to stay home. And he's like, but you know, he had this, I'm like, dad, people don't think that way. You know, you see athletes, I think one, one athlete um, lost, he was going to go top five draft pick in the NFL. So basically million, $100 million potentially if he had a good career, right? And he went to a strip club during COVID, I think, broke lockout laws, went to a strip club and um, got, um, got banned. He didn't get drafted to the NFL. And so dad looks at that and goes, strip club or $100 million? And I go, dad, people don't think that way. And so, but I'm really fortunate that I do think that way. I'm like, oh, okay, every every decision I make has an impact. You know, every little one, like this is a little, pretty little decision, but that kid now has just lost his entire future as an NFL quarterback, right? And it's like decisions, you know, decisions. Yeah. Choose your sacrifice. Choose your sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And what are, what are some of the principles that you will not bring with you into your own fatherhood? And that is a great question. That is a really good question. I think um, that's a really good question, man. I think I don't want to. I don't want to come across as um, a dad that can't admit he's wrong or can't apologize. I think my dad, even today, really struggles with that. Um, he really struggles with kind of saying sorry and admitting he, he's wrong if he is wrong. Definitely growing up definitely growing up he, he he did and that really pissed me off and, and upset me and my brother so I, I would say that is i'm not i really want to take a level of humility and look at my son as okay how can i learn from you from you you know what, what what can you teach me as well um because i think kids can teach us a lot i think even teenage boys can teach us a lot i think anyone can you know if you're open-minded even the dumbest person in the room can teach you something even if it's okay just don't act like that. Like that's teaching me something, right? So definitely that is what I'll try to drop away is, is a bit of my ego and um, bringing in a bit of humility into my parenting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice one, man. And something you also advocate is healthy, no, positive masculinity. And I'm yep. curious to know what your opinions are on toxic masculinity. Mm. I'll, I hate, I, I never use the term. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's whether it started off attempting to have any good or not, you can create a debate from either side. I just look at it as like, all right, what's the, what's the goal of toxic masculinity? And if we're looking at it on a good lens, okay, the good lens is we want men to step up and take responsibility for themselves and stop hurting other people, right? As a general, if we're looking at that, okay, cool. Does using that phrase, get that outcome no it doesn't because what does it do immediately it it and i've been i've been working with men for four or five years and i'm pretty fucking open mind and i want to do the work and i get how most people use it is probably in the good light but for me I, as soon as i hear that term i just inside in, in I, I stiffen up and i'm like what the fuck this like what okay what's this person going to say now you know so i don't use it for that reason in that it doesn't get the desired outcome which is we want men to be a part of this conversation and it immediately takes men out of the conversation. And secondly, I don't use it is because, yeah, you could use it and I could be like, oh, I 100% agree with how you use it. 
um, and someone else could use it and I could completely disagree with what they're talking about. So I don't, I don't like any blanket terms. I try to stay away from just any general blanket terms because there's so many ways to open it up for interpretation. And then thirdly, it's like, what am I meant to do with some, what do we do with anything that's toxic, like toxic waste? We, we put it in the, put it in these compounds. No one can go near it. We have to wear hazmat suits. It's like, there's no part of us that is toxic because I can't, what am I meant to do with a part of myself or a part of my psyche that's toxic? I can't, I can't put that in a corner and never look at it because that's just going to come back and bite me in the ass later. But what I can do with wounded masculinity, right? Or wounded aspects of myself is I can look at that and go, oh, I'm fucking hurting. Okay. How can I heal this? Ah, cool. Okay. I can do this and this and this, and I can heal this because it's not coming from a place of like men are just perfect or masculinity is perfect. It's not that at all. Like there are men out there and masculine. And I mean, well, I, I would make the argument that they're not men, they're boys, wounded boys in men's suit. That's kind of how I look at it is like, there's just a man, but he's, he's a wounded boy. And if we, again, if we can heal him, fucking great. That's great for him. That's great for his family. That's great for society. Uh, to heal men, and so that they're the, they're the three main reasons why I just stay clear of toxic masculinity. And also, if all we're talking about is toxic masculinity, if you're a young man, and the only thing you hear masculinity associated with is toxic, which a lot of fucking young men now, that's all they're hearing masculinity in the conversation of, they're going to start to maybe only on a subconscious level, which is the worst level for this to happen, but maybe not consciously it's happened, but subconsciously, they're going to start to disassociate with their masculinity. They're going to not want to be masculine. They're going to want to adopt. Uh, they're going to betray themselves, right? They're going to disown themselves. They're going to cause themselves more pain. And so I love talking about positive masculinity and like the, and great role models and, you know, cool stories of men doing great things and what do we want to be rather than what do we not want to be so that we can start to associate masculinity with positive emotions, positive men, positive experiences. Cause this idea, and I had a, I had an interview that I did a, a few months ago now where the, I was on a panel and I didn't really know what I was in for. And I jumped on as an Instagram live. And one of the guys was like, there's nothing positive about masculinity. And I was like, oh, fuck, because you read about or I read about, you probably read about these people or things and maybe you get DM'd or something, but I don't really get a lot of that from my stuff. Like, I don't, it's, I'm aware that it's out there, but for me, that was the first experience of being in that world of like, oh, you think there's nothing positive about masculinity. What am I meant to do with, <laughs> what is anyone meant to do with that? Like, that is such a bleak look at the world, man, such a bleak look at the world. So that's why I like to talk more about positive masculinity um, because we need, to have our young men, we need to have our young boys excited to be young men and excited to be men and excited to be masculine. Like masculine's masculine is fucking great. So is femininity, right? They're both, they're both amazing. Yeah, for sure. I think it causes a lot of men to suppress their masculinity and then it's expressed in other horrible, extreme, dangerous ways, such as violence or drinking drugs, yeah, addictions. So yeah, I think it needs to be channeled in the right area, mm. which is... 100%. Yeah. And it's left a lot of men lost. Like this, the the fe feminist conversation has le left a lot of men lost in that, like, what's my role now? I don't... And it's coming from a good... Like, men are like, cool, tell me how to improve and I probably will. Like, for a lot of men, like, tell me I probably will. 
But now it's like, well, I don't even know what the fuck I'm meant to be because all you've told me is what I can't be and I don't know what I'm meant to be now. And so I'm really lost and I'm wanting to be a, a good person. Like we all want to be good people. And so you're telling me I'm being a bad person. You're telling me masculinity is bad and I, oh, I don't want to be that. So now <laughs> what am I meant to do now? I'm in this void and a lot of men are in that void and, and a lot of men are lost. Yeah, yeah. That's why you and I are here. Yeah, yeah, man, 100%. And we need more men like you doing the work, you know, doing, yeah, doing the work, man. We need a lot of, a lot of men doing the work, stepping up because we've lost, as I said, lost a lot of confident men to this battle against masculinity. And so we've either completely shied away from the whole conversation and just turned into what they want us to turn into, or we've just gone, fuck it. I'm just going to take care of my family. And because the outside world's just complete chaos and you don't want me out there, but my family wants me here. So cool. I'm just going to stay with my family. But for us as a society to come together and unify the sexes, because that's the goal. We want to unify and like stop fucking, you know, Democrat, Republican, left, right, anti this, pro this. It's like, no, no, no. Can we just fucking come together and get a bit of love? Fucking hell. So that's the goal for me anyway, is like, how do we heal? How do we bring ourselves together and, yeah, come together as a society. Yeah, brilliant. And it's through these sort of conversations that will enable that to happen. So thank you so much, Dylan, for your insights and your wisdom. It's been a great conversation. And I'm sure that the listeners will take tons of value from this. And if they want to learn more about you, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, uh, Instagram, Dylan.Ruse, D-Y-L-A-N.R-O-S, or um, my website, www.DylanRuseCoaching.com. Nice one, man. Yeah, you've got some great content there. So I will pop those links below. Go check them out. And yes, my man, keep moving forward. Stay strong. Thank you, man. Been a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Warrior Podcast. If this episode has added value to your life, please share this episode on your social media platforms so that others too can gain the insight, information and inspiration that they need in order to move forward in their lives. For the time being, stay strong and keep fighting the good fight.